0: Glad you're here this morning to worship with us. Would you all stand as we honor the flag this morning, the flags? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation,
1: under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
0: Oh, say can
1: you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we twilight's last gleaming through broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight o'er the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rocket's red glare the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave. Oh. The free and the home of the
0: brave. You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. If you've been hearing the same old voice, still the same old life. You're still trying to fill the same old holes. There's a better life. There's a better life. Come on, church, sing
2: it out. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. Yeah. If you feel lost, he's a way.
3: say
4: amen.
0: Please greet each other around you. Friendly, be, tell them you're glad they're here this morning. Greet those around you. Awake at the sound of Jesus' name The weight has been lifted this place this morning, have your way, have your will, we surrender to you now, Jesus. Fill this place with your spirit. We're here to worship you, we're here for you, it's because of you, it's about you, it's all you, Jesus. You are the thrill of our lives. There is nothing else like you, we worship you today, Jesus.
3: was grace that time.
1: I'll soon dissolve like snow the sun
3: forbid to shine but God who called me here below, say it, will be forever mine. One more time, say it again, will be, will up to heaven and say to him you are
5: give praise unto you for the unending love the amazing grace that you have shown us Father I want to we want this morning to be thankful that our pastor is home and with the team they're safe God we pray for the people of Ethiopia we pray for that country That it would settle, that you would bring peace, that you would bring harmony. God, that you would bring revival in the land through pastors that are crying out to you and and people in churches that are praying to you. Father, we thank you for the freedom that we have in this country to walk our streets mainly safely. God, to come to church to worship you, to lift up our hearts and our needs to you. Father, we, as we see our country, we see the moral fabric, Lord, being tore away. But Father, I pray that you help us as your people from coast to coast, that we would be a light and that we would be hope that would bring this nation back to you. Father, we see people that are running after happiness which depends on circumstances and it doesn't last long but Lord what we really need is joy that is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ help us to stand on that joy and Father I pray this morning that you would help us to be a people that would encourage one another and lift one another up and Father that You would be a pastor and those that are speaking this morning. Bless this time. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. I have the privilege to make one announcement. There is a baby shower. You may be seated. There is a baby shower at 2 o'clock for my granddaughter, (laughs) Olive White. Andrew and our son Andrew and Crystal having a baby. And we have the privilege of seeing her in person in less than two weeks from now. So if the ushers will please come, we'll bring before the Lord his tithes and our offerings. And the children, after we pray, can come also. Father, we thank you that we can, we can express our gratitude to you, giving unto you. Bless this as we give tithes and offerings in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: Amen. Come on up, kiddos. Bring your offerings and you're ready to head out to Children's Church. I'll just go ahead and say on behalf of the rest of the team, we are very glad to be in the United States. (laughs) Wow. You uh, quickly uh, remember what we have when you separate yourself from it. Um, I want to invite our Gambella team up here, bring a chair with you, grab a chair. We're just going to kind of line up here. While you're getting set, let me just share with everybody um, that uh, it was quite a challenge for us to even make it to Gambella. Um, we were flying, we, la- we landed in Addis Ababa Sunday morning, and we were to have a five-hour layover in, in Addis, and then to, we were to catch a little puddle jumper uh, for another two-hour flight. Into the Gambela region, <clears throat> um, but basically, while we were landing, an Ethiopian general, along with a uh, hundred or so um, fellow traitors, I guess, um, tried to stage a coup and assassinated four um, government officials of Ethiopia, trying to take over. That all was happening while we were landing and in the airport somewhere in the same time frame. And it put the country on lockdown, including us. We ended up in a hotel in Addis for two days. And we didn't even get into Gambela till Tuesday night when we were supposed to be there Sunday night. Um, needless to say, uh, it was frustrating. and um, And in fact, in the midst of that, we weren't sure if, the U.S. Embassy was going to put us on a plane and send us home. Um, that was a possibility. When we told them that we were going to Gambella, they kind of said, okay, well, something happens. We can't promise to come and get you. <laughs> so, uh, And that was understandable. We understood where they were coming from. But-, but we just felt very strongly, the whole team unanimously, that we needed to get to Gambella so we we get into Gambella, and um, Gambella is is filled. Even though it's in Ethiopia, it's filled with South Sudanese refugees. And the the, the town of Gambella is is split into two sides. So if you want to visualize uh, this side, and then there's a a, a a nice large road that kind of goes right down the middle of town, and then there's the other side. And one tribe of the South Sudanese lives on one side, the Newer live on one side of town, and the Anuocs live on the other side of town. And um, I told you a few Sundays ago that one of the things that was very exciting about this year was that the pastors from the Anuoc side were actually had committed to coming to the pastor's training, which all happened over here. Uh, The Nazarene Church, our hotel, the arm centers all over here, basically on this side of town, the pastors from the other tribes. So we were anticipating twice as many pastors at our training this year. Well, I think it was like the day before we landed, um, I believe a, uh, someone from the New Air tribe killed someone from the Anuoc side. So this is a whole separate thing from the coup that was happening in the country. And it put both tribes on edge and it basically locked down Gambella. So not only are we locked down uh, as a country with no internet and all that kind of stuff. But now the the village that we're in, the town that we're in, is locked down for a whole separate issue. And um, so what that meant for us is that we could only minister over here. We, weren't, we couldn't even go over in this direction, which meant... Uh, um, the villages, the, the, um, the, the places that we went to last year where we were able to do powerful ministry, we couldn't even access those places. And so again, uh, frustration. Um, I mean, the, the spiritual uh, darkness that we kept running into this year um, was difficult. But I think you're going to hear from these testimonies that once we finally got there, and we're allowed to start doing ministry, phenomenal things um, began to unfold for us. So um, I'm going to ask the team to share a little bit. Let's start with Lucette here. Um, uh, And if you'll just share the area that you were focused in on, um, which, of course, was the orphans.
6: So it it was amazing. Um, I personally didn't experience any fear with everything that was going on. I knew everything was in God's hands and we just needed to trust the Lord. I knew that there was a real need for us to be there or all this trying to send us home wouldn't be happening. Right. And the first day we were able to actually go and minister, um, there were almost 200 orphans when we arrived. And it seemed like quite a lot of children speaking a different language, but we had some interpreters there, and um, the children were so receptive, and God really spoke to my heart Mm -hmm. that if there was just one thing that I could leave them with, it was the knowing that they were never alone, no matter what their circumstance, no matter if they felt alone or afraid or whatever happens to them, that God is always there, always there with them. And they can always just talk to him, you know, continue to pray, but just talk to him, have relationship with him. And God just really spoke that to me. So that was the first day I was able to minister um, through interpretation with them and, and for 200 kids, and to keep their attention, that's quite profound. Um, The second day, there were 400 children. (laughs) And the next day, there were 600 children. (laughs) And the numbers just kept growing, and they had so much joy. They just needed to feel love. They needed to feel like somebody truly cares, And so, with the help of the team, it was definitely a team effort. We were able to just shine the love of the Lord and joy and just, it it was beautiful. It was a beautiful thing. And they would just all see us coming in the little bajaj and just start running and smiling and waving and so much excitement and I am truly blessed to have experienced it. So, it was awesome. Thank you.
7: Well, I was rather frustrated with getting to Addison, having to stay in a fancy hotel when I wanted to be out in Gambella with all the rest of the people. And uh, as Brian said, uh, the forces of evil were just pressing down hard and and the light of this team and the rest of the members across the U.S. that came was just shining gloriously. Uh, Even even under all the stress, all the tension, uh, everybody kept a really good attitude. I got to know people really well. Uh, some really yeah. good people. I, I'm looking at Cindy. <laughs> I got to know Cindy really well. The, uh, the Arms Center, uh, when we finally got there, uh, it was difficult to get there, so I was privileged to help with the children for the first day or two. And then, uh, as things uh, loosened up, got a little easier to travel, uh, we were able to go out to the center, and we were able to uh, see the widows that were there working. There was 26 working with quite a few other volunteers, so uh, a lot of stuff was happening. Uh, we were seeing 100 blocks a day per person, and there was four men laying block there on the wall. Uh, we got to do a test for the uh, – we're trying to provide a well for all the people in Gambela on that that end of town, and it'll be a free water point. And to get that, we had to have a test done on the, on the ground, so we were able to have that testing done at a moment's notice. They arrived, they laid all the testing equipment, they found water. We're going to drill a well. We haven't got that money yet, but that's one more step closer to having water for the people. And then uh, we got to, uh, in, in part of the ARM project, where 250 widows will be living along with uh, caring for 250 uh, children, the uh, orphans, there's there's going to be an area of planting where they're going to have gardens and mango trees. We got the privilege of planting thirty uh, some mango trees and some citrus trees. So they're really excited about that. And then we got to tour a uh, uh, we got to tour a Catholic ministry. And that Catholic ministry was for orphans, and we got to go in that ministry to uh, to see what their vision was and what things were working we're Americans. We, we have American ways, and I wanted to see the African way, and we got to go in that ministry where we weren't allowed to go and weren't allowed to take pictures. They said in some areas, go ahead and take pictures, and they answered our questions, and they said some of our ideas were really good, and some of our ideas they we shouldn't do, so it was really helpful in the building of, of the project of the, our ministry, so uh, it was a very productive and a very fulfilling time in, in uh, Ethiopia. The people are awesome. Uh, thank you for your prayers and support.
8: I was frustrated too, stay in a five-star hotel in Addis Ababa, but um, we needed to be safe, and oh, we were safe there. We didn't feel fear there, but uh, we wanted to be in Gambela. Yeah, I-, I wanted to say something about the Arms Center. That's the Africa Relief Ministries, and I know you met Michael, probably that's been here before, the tall South Sudanese guy. And um, what they're doing with building this is to provide houses, a place to stay for 240 people. And what will happen is the widows with their children will live there, and then single women will take on two orphans. So they're trying to solve the problem of the orphans there, try to get them into a family. So this is a very important project to get done. Yeah. So... Uh, I worked with the orphans mainly, and with Bible school, and and they they just mobbed us. I, yeah. I, like she said, they just mobbed us when we got Cindy there. Cindy
4: had rock star status. She would get out of the van, and they would just scream like it was like the Beatles were getting out of the van. It was it was awesome. Yeah, it was,
8: like, <laughs> and and they were all taller than me. Even, even, <laughs> even the ten year olds were taller than me. I mean, some of these girls were six feet tall. The Sudanese are known. Uh, for being the tallest uh, people in the world so, and I'm known as being very short. (laughs) Um, We taught them hand washing. We had soap and we taught them hand washing and they all washed their hands. We taught them to brush their teeth and through you. Uh, We gave them toothbrushes and toothpaste. I've never had such clean teeth demonstrating to all of them how to do that. Uh, The the children were very receptive and friendly, um, except maybe some of the younger ones, and some of them were two or three, and they're orphans. They have nobody, and they're just following these other kids around. Uh, They love to have their pictures taken, and of course, they always wanted to see their picture. Um, This is is from my journal. Uh, I don't know how they live without anybody. I mean, we have homeless in this country, but... They're worse than homeless. Um, They don't really have a mud hut, which most people there live in a mud hut. And some of the families let them sleep with them at night, but in the daytime, they're on their own. They're fed one meal a day at the church. The church ladies out in the yard, they have no facilities, they have no water. The church grounds doesn't have any water, so they have to carry in water and they make them a meal every day. Um, they have large sores on their legs. It's just awful when we have such great medical care here. The flies are terrible. I wanted so much to fix their wounds. I did get a chance to do that with some of the adults. Um, and some of the children, uh, one of the leaders of the church, his, his son, had sores on his leg. And so uh, we helped fix that and bandaged them up and so they'll heal. They don't heal because of the flies. Uh, they're not covered up. Um, it would really be better if they all wore long pants. And some of them do actually wear long pants. But uh, one of the gentlemen I got to help was uh, he'd gotten stoned stoned the day before, not the two two days before. He and some of his friends were part of this war that was going on and they got stoned. His friends were killed. Two of them were killed, but he had this horrible wound on his leg from getting stoned. Can you imagine in today's time you're getting stoned with rocks? Uh, James was a social worker. He was a great help. He's a, a South Sudanese refugee himself, but he's gone to college there in Gambela and has a social worker um, degree, and he's over the orphans. So he knows them all. He knows them by name. He takes care of them, makes sure that they have as much as he can give them or provide for them. So it was great to see that um, the government is trying to help them Thank you for the, the clothes you bought or made. We gave them all out. Mm-hmm. We needed more. Gave out all the toothbrushes and the toothpaste, all the soap, the bandages, whatever you gave. It all went to use and is there helping now. Um, we gave out the glasses. Uh, we needed twice as many reading glasses. Um, the need is so great there. We need more people to go next year.
9: Mm -hmm. My duties were about um, a master of none and, you know, a jack of all trades and a master of none. I helped wherever I could. Um, But at the end, um, my main focus was to work with the widows um, where the church and arm, um, 26 widows, were endowed with a, what they call a microloan. What this was, this was $100 U.S., I believe. Yeah. Now, we all had fun because the denomination in Ethiopia is, is beer. Now, it's spelled B-I-E-R, not B-E-E-R. So we had fun the whole trip talking about how much beer we were handling, <laughs> handing out, etc. Um, so that was kind of one of the lively points of the trip, was having fun talking about the, the money and the name of it in Ethiopia. Um, realize this. $100 U.S. is a 30 to 1. So that's like 30... It's
4: 30, almost $3,000. So it's it's 3,
9: almost $3,000 beer. So when you go into retrospect for Ethiopia... Most of the people earn maybe 50 cents to a dollar a day. That's it. So for these widows, this was a tremendous amount of money for them. Some of them already had businesses. This is to have them help expand their business. Some of them were starting new businesses to help them get on their feet. Um, Some people look at this as aid, but the way it was explained to them, when it was handed out, and it was done individually. So it took almost two hours in extreme heat and humidity to hand all this out, but it was worth it. They will meet monthly, discuss how their business is going, what they're doing, do a a reporting, and they have to have this paid back within a year. That's part of the term and conditions of the loan. Um, I was able to, and I would call it a privilege, to speak with them Um, on how business principles, you know, at least in my life, and I shared as should be business principles for them to be used. For myself, the Lord got a hold of me 35 years ago. So if you put the numbers to that, as I've been called at work, I'm older than dirt. Yes, I'm 65 years old. But I, I look at it this way. Two of the principles, once I got into the word of the Lord, have helped me through my career. I've been blessed because of that. First of all, the Lord teaches us, make our yes, yes, and our no, no. Mm-hmm. So if you promise somebody you're going to do something, do it. If you can't, explain why. If you're not able to, say no and why. Another thing that's helped me through the years, which we shared with them, is to use even scales. And that was a little bit hard to explain because we did have to go and explain to them about even scales. In other words, if you're going to sell something, sell it for the same price across the board no matter who you're selling it to. They were also taught that... If you, if your cost of an item, this was an analogy that was used by one of our partners that came up from Whitney, Texas, his name was Greg. That if you have a cost of an item that costs two dollars, you sell it for four, take 50% of that back and put it into the business of your profit, then take your other 50%, tithe as we're admonished by the Lord to do, to tithe on our monies, our talents, our blessings, however we can help and give a tithe unto the Lord. And then put some back for yourself, a savings. And this was all you know, received very well by these widows, and you would not believe their appreciation when they came around to shake our hands. Sure, sure. Yep. Overall, I'm just going to say... We did have frustrations. Thank you for your prayer cover. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when we landed in Gambella, Michael Gawick, who's been here with ARM, had enough pull, and because of the tensions, we had armed escort from the airport to our compound because of the tensions. One day at lunch... Just to say this, another hedge protection, and you have to understand how privileged we are to live in the United States. And for those, of us, for those that have protected us and given us this privilege. You're sitting there eating lunch, and then an episode happens outside, and it is finished and started and in between because you hear AK-47 shots. And we were literally escorted to our rooms for six hours until it cleared out. Please be thankful we're here in the United States. We can worship our Lord with freedom, not being endangered. We can help these people through prayer. So when you think about this, think about how privileged we are, how blessed we are. And as we prepare for next year, I would just ask, have this put on your heart. The preparations are already started. Um, thank, we, Cindy and I have already done some initial research on things. And you can actually go online and, already buy, and find prepackaged hygiene kits, which is in very huge need. As Cindy stated, everything that was donated was given out, and we were still short. As Lucette said, the first day, 200 orphans. Second day, four hundred. Third day, almost up to six hundred. You can't prepare for that kind of people yeah. by taking extra suitcases over with you. So I'm just saying, there's some plans in place for next year. Thank you for your support, and I'm going to turn this back over to Pastor.
4: Thank okay. you. Thank you. Let's thank the team. You guys. Can... <clears throat> Well, and I'll, I'll share that my, my responsibility, wouldn't, wouldn't be too terrible of a surprise, was teaching uh, the pastors, the pastors' training. And of course, working through the um, frustration of the whole group not being able to come over, I you know, just focused in on the um, roughly 150 to 175 that were there. So it's, it, was, it was a smaller number this year because... Um, some of them weren't allowed to even make it in that that were with us last year. Um, I, and I learned uh, last year that the pastors, and and so these are church leaders, and 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 they're overseeing hundreds, and um, and you know the, they're they're pastoring large churches, I and mean, these aren't just small churches. So they're representing many people. Um, they didn't. There was so much I found out that they didn't know, just basic stuff. So um, what I did was I, I just I put in a plan into motion that I was going to teach them uh, the basics of the gospel, evangelism, the basics of sanctification, fullness of the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit. We're, we're just I wanted to make sure that they had some sort of working foundation um, that they could... Um, then take back to their people. Uh, So the first day, I I walked them through a gospel presentation, show them how to do that. And I went ahead and opened up the altar in case there was anybody in the room that um, wanted to accept Jesus as their Savior, and a hundred pastors came forward. I mean, just think about a hundred pastors accepting Jesus. The, the, it, it's, it's beyond remarkable. Um, just kind of walked out of that time uh, shaken by uh, the... Uh, we, we take all this information that we get to enjoy and the understanding that we get to have. We take it so for granted when these people are just starving to know what the real truth is and and what it looks like and how to talk about it, and how to understand it. Um, by the time we got to sanctification and fullness of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit, um, there was such a significant response and the, and the Spirit of God was, was so thick. One of the pastors came forward and he brought his daughter who was um, around 20 years old and for two years uh, had been dealing with some kind of internal... um, She she was suffering um, and had been to doctors. Doctors could not figure... They'd even cut her open to try to figure this out. And there was no answer. There was no understanding. There was no knowledge of what was going on. And she had basically given up. She just wanted to die. (sighs) So we (laughs) put her in a chair and we prayed over her, and that woman was healed. She had been living with a a burning pain um, that was residual, continual, and by the time we were done, it it was gone. It was gone. Wow. You, um, you know, you, you fight through all this stuff just to get there, and that's, when uh, God is able to just show up, He was able to show up, and I, I, I you know, uh, I think about um, uh, uh, perhaps it would have been pretty easy just to get back on the plane and go home, and because um, uh, of a little bit of fear or a little bit of tension. Um, but there was just such a heaviness on our hearts to to do this, to to be there. And to pull this ministry off, and I don't think we'll ever know um, the, the, the gravity of what was accomplished during that week in, in all of these phases, in all of these phases. So I just reiterate, uh, thank you for the prayers. Obviously, we're glad to be home. But thank you for the continued prayers over this region, um, who, which usually isn't as volatile as it was I think we just kind of hit the jackpot. We just showed up in just the exact right time, or wrong time, if you want to view it that way. Um, uh, but man, God showed up and accomplished some amazing things. So what, what a what a great report that we're able to bring back and and anticipate um, what will happen in, in a year from now. Okay, let's 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 get into the word a little bit, shall we? I, I want to invite you to. To the end of Second Kings, so you'll find Second Kings right after First Kings. Makes sense, right? Uh, the end of the Second Kings, the very last chapter. And as we're uh, as we're going to get into that, let's let's kind of understand where we're at in the timeline here. Um, so we've been, if this is the beginning of time, you know, creation, we, we've been walking with with the Israelites, right, through through captivity in Egypt. Um, they get Delivered out of Egypt and 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 find themselves in the Promised Land. Uh, God uh, gives them uh, the Ten Commandments, the Law. The, the the they create the Ark of the Covenant. They build a Tabernacle, right, to house the Ark of the Covenant. Then they get to the time of the kings, and and we've kind of been soaking in that time frame for a number of weeks now, especially as we're looking through all the wisdom literature. That all happens. In the, in the early time of the kings, especially with Solomon, and Solomon one that finally builds the temple, with that then permanently houses the Ark of the Covenant, the, the Holy of Holies where, where God dwells, okay? And when we get to the end of 2 Kings, we get to the end of this era, and it's really the end of the era of, of Israel as it was, and, and really won't ever be the same again. Because the kings, after Solomon, basically do evil in the eyes of the Lord. When, when, you, when you read through First and Second Kings, it, it reads sort of like a, a quick a report on this king, and a quick report on the next king, and the next king, and the next king. And as you're reading through it, almost every time it says, did it evil in the eyes of the Lord. It might even say, did worse than his father. Um, occasionally, a good king shows up, but it's, it's very rare and it's just worse and worse and worse. And by the time you get to Manasseh, who really was kind of the worst of the worst, the straw that broke the camel's back, um, the Lord says, that's, that's it. And he, he prophesies that um, uh, an exile is, is coming. And by the time we get to the 25th chapter of Second Kings, the exile has happened. Babylon has come in, has wiped out. Israel's wiped out Jerusalem, um, the walls, the temple, it's, it's all destroyed. Um, people have been scattered. Some have been killed, some have been scattered, and then some have been taken into captivity. So when we're in the time frame of the exile, you'll recognize stories like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel in the lion's den, uh, Esther. These are stories that happen in the time frame of the exile, which means that Israel, as we knew it, is, is over. The, the, the boundary markers, um, the, the whole identity of, of the nation of Israel. And, and by the way, just the second generation after Solomon, there was conflict with one of the king transitions, and uh, two kingdoms came out of that. So Israel was one until then, and then there was a northern kingdom, kingdom and a southern kingdom. They still both functioned under the law, um, but there, there were two kings happening at the same time. So as you're reading through First and Second Kings or even 2 Chronicles, uh, you'll see uh, reports on two different kings at the same time because there's a northern kingdom king and a southern kingdom king, right? Um, so we're at, when we get to the end of 2 Kings, that's the reality. Exile has already happened, um, and Israel has been pretty much decimated and scattered, and some in captivity. And we get to this, basically it's this last chap, uh, last paragraph. So I want to start at, at verse 27. It's really obscure. If you've read through the Bible, you've read it, but you probably blew right past it and, and didn't linger here. There might not be really any reason to linger here, but I think you'll find it to be very helpful to us today. In the 37th year, so this is verse 27 of chapter 25. In the 37th year of the exile of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, so that's the northern kingdom, in the year Awelmarduk Marduk became king of Babylon, he released Jehoiakim, king of Judah, from prison. He did this on the 27th day of the 12th month. He spoke kindly to him and gave him a seat of honor higher than those of the other kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiakim put aside his prison clothes and for the rest of his life ate regularly at the king's table, the king of Babylon's table. Day by day, the king gave Jehoiakim a regular allowance as long as he lived. It's a really interesting passage. It's a really interesting uh, turn in the story. Everything's devastated, as I said. Um, Israel um, is in exile, and people are scattered. The king has been taken into captivity and for 37 years was a prisoner of war. But the king of Babylon had this habit, apparently, of releasing prisoners of war, or kings anyways, and then bringing him to his table. And, and obviously there was this um, uh, pride thing, this, uh, I own all of you. I own you. I'm bringing you to the table because I, I want you to know that I own you. And I want you to be reminded every day that I own you. You don't need to sit in prison for that. In fact, I want you here because I'm just going to kind of lord it over you, and I'm going to lord it over you so much that I'm even going to give you an allowance. I'm going to, and and, okay, who gives allowances out? It's parents to kids, right? So there's this real um, snarky, I think is a good word, Uh, but you can kind of, you're getting a vibe here, right? This, this This is what's happened, and it's not just to the king of Judah there's other kings there so 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 babylon has been has been running over people, taking kings into captivity and then and then putting him this in this place of shame but it's strange because it's entwined with freedom after all, he's not in prison anymore he's been released out of prison, so there's a a step into freedom that happens for Jehoiakim, but it's not real freedom. It's certainly not the freedom that he would long for, that he would want, but perhaps as he's reflecting on the reality of things, uh, he's realizing there's really no way to go back to that anyways. It's all destroyed. But there's this, I, I, and I, I, don't, I think it's okay to use this phrase, there's sort of this false freedom that you see inside of this paragraph here, inside of this turn of the story. And I, and I, and I wonder if that's a, a common thing to happen. If we, if we were to think about our own journeys we celebrate freedom. We sing about it. Uh, we, we, we thank Jesus for the freedom that he has given us. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. This is something that, uh, that we gravitate to and, and cling to and, and, and I hope make it a fundamental part of who we are. Um, but is there a tendency for us believers, to function in some kind of notion of false, a false kind of freedom. Let me see if I can explain what I'm thinking. We have a tendency to think that freedom is just pure freedom, that it's just anything goes kind of a freedom. I've been saved and I'm free in Christ to be whoever I want to be and to do whatever I want to do because grace has come and has forgiven me and has empowered me or or has given me heaven. And I'm free. And so then with that mindset, a believer can begin to run in directions that they should never run in. Because the truth about freedom is there's parameters. The truth about freedom is that there is no real, absolute freedom. There's there's parameters within which our freedom functions as believers. We're, We're not empowered to just go out and do whatever we want. Because grace has come into our lives. Think about the logic of that. When a person does that, are they reflecting light when they're wallowing in darkness? Because grace has come. I can still wallow in darkness all I want. I mean, Paul has to write in his letters over and over and over again to the church, instructing them. That that cannot be how we live our lives. So with this freedom that does exist, there, there is a, a reality that um, there are parameters, there are borders. It, there's a, a framework within which m- our freedom functions. My, my relationship with my wife, there is so much freedom that, that exists between the two of us, but that freedom is shrouded in a boundary of trust that has to exist and has to be maintained for my relationship with my wife to stay healthy. I cannot, now that I'm in a marriage covenant, just go out and do whatever I want with whoever I want, right? That violates everything about the covenant within which I entered into with her. And it's the same with her. She can't just go out running around. You understand what I'm saying? So the freedom that exists in our relationship is shrouded in a... And, and parameters that have to exist and have to be maintained and have to be respected for that freedom in our relationship to continue and, 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 and for us to enjoy that. It's no different than my relationship with God. In fact, He instituted the marriage covenant to help us understand how to interact with Him. After all, we are the bride of Christ. He's called us that. There, there has to be a framework in place so that, this, so that I can enjoy this freedom. And, and I've got to respect that. And, and, and I've got to um, stay inside of that now. Don't misunderstand me. We're not, we're not functioning under the law anymore. We're, we're, we're on this side of the cross. There is a there's not a picture of a cross. Okay. But we're on this side of the cross. So we're not functioning inside of the law anymore. I'm not talking about the Jewish law. Jesus fulfilled all that. But there is still this, this, this covenant relationship that exists with. With he and us. And he's offered plenty of instruction about how we're to maintain that. How, and and it's simplified. He, he simplified it for us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything about all of that, anyways, he says, hangs on those two commands. Maintaining my relationship with him is is is, is simplified to am, am i with my with my behaviors am i with my with my words with my thoughts with my passion with my with my focus with everything that i am physically spiritually relationally emotionally am i loving god with all my heart soul mind and strength is my life reflecting that Because inside of that, that's where this real freedom. Now, when, when Paul says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free, he, there, there's a context because the church is struggling to, to fall back into this legalism thing. And it's, and, it's a, 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 and it's sort of this false sense of freedom, I, I think. But it's, it's legalism. Um, nonetheless. And the church keeps trying to step back into that. They, they they have a hard time cutting that loose. It's so ingrained in them. And Paul encourages that that's that that covenant is done. We're functioning in a new covenant now. But because of that freedom, again, I reiterate: we he he goes on to say we cannot step back into the old ways, the, the, the sin nature has to be crucified. The sin nature has to be crucified. There has to be a transformational work that is happening so that we, in our freedom, are reflecting light and truth and grace and mercy and love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, the fruits are coming through because we're filled the infilling of the Holy Spirit. This is not just a message for a group of pastors in Ethiopia, but it's just as relevant for the American church today. It's a wonderful thing to celebrate freedom. It's a critical thing to think about how freedom really functions. You see, there might be some of us that have been functioning like Jehoiakim. Oh, you've had some level of deliverance. You've been pulled out of prison. Great. But are you still in bondage? Are you still, is the enemy still harassing you? Has the enemy kind of been controlling you and bringing you to his table and just kind of Waving it over your head. Eh, uh, uh, I still got you. I still got you. You see what I'm saying? Right? This, is, this happens. This happens to believers. This happens to people that have that has accepted Jesus as their Savior. They can still function in this, I want to call it this false freedom state. And... Jesus has way more for his people than that. We do not have to sit at that table any longer. It doesn't have to be our normal, and it never should have been our normal. When the Spirit of Christ comes in us, man, there, there should be a whole new way of living because of the power of the cross at work. In our lives, I, 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 just, I want to ask you to, to close your eyes. And this is just self reflection time. Thinking of this short little story that we've really just uh, taken apart as much as we possibly can, I think. Seeing how relevant. That strange little story is to the American church. Because, in many ways, the American church has sold itself to the enemy, it sold itself to another king. In many ways, the American church has really allowed itself to be re enslaved to things. when i say that american church i'm i'm speaking corporately but i'm also speaking personally i've got to i've got to humble myself inside of this and and allow myself to ask jesus is there even for me is there any aspect of my life any area in my life where i have allowed some some bondage to come back in, a false sense of freedom. I I don't want that in my life. I I, I know you don't want that in my life. I I don't want that in my life. And I know as I'm saying that, I, I know you feel that way about yourself as well. It's just being honest with yourself, allowing the Spirit of God to speak maybe there's someone here it's just feeling that tug and and you you just want to you want to pray you want to you want to surrender you want to move out of that space into real freedom if that's you I'd encourage you to get up and just come down here and kneel and let let's let's pray together let's let's seek the face of God and allow his spirit to accomplish his work if if there's anybody like that, I want to give you a space to do to respond It's okay if there's not. But I want I want to give you space to to respond. anyone else I'm not going to draw this out I want to invite our prayer team those that are here ready to minister if you come and surround these and church let's just pray together On a, on a Sunday like this, where we, we're a bit dual-minded as we're we're thinking about the freedom we have in America. And we're thinking about the freedom that we have in you, Jesus. Our I guess our, our hearts and our minds think first of, 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 of our country. And our the truth about our hearts and our minds is that they're way heavy, that there's so much about who we are anymore that just comes against the truth of your word, comes against... Um, the way you have shown and, and the way you have taught us to live. And we have so many um, leaders, governmental leaders that, that oversee us, that are just running in the wrong directions. And so we lift our country up to you with a heavy heart's we beg and plead, O oh God, that, that you will overcome uh, our mistakes and our blatant sin, and that your grace and your mercy will somehow um, envelop our nation as a whole and woo us back into the light. Woo us back into real truth, real freedom for all people. Speak to speak to our leaders, our president, our Congress, our senator, our governors. Even if they're not listening, that somehow you will break through their rebellion and they will find truth even when they're not looking for it um, somehow you'll just you'll do the miraculous lord we don't we don't want to feel hopeless uh, we want to be uh, we want to be filled with hope that that this nation can can continue because We've chosen to be a nation that in God we trust. And I don't know how the your church in America can rise up and help bring that back into focus. But speak to our hearts and our minds as we are your hands and your feet in this in this country, in this state, in this county, in this city. But we thank you for the freedom that you have brought us, nonetheless, regardless of what happens politically, we function inside of whatever with with a freedom that we have in Christ. and it was that's no different than, than what it was like in the early church who who was experiencing freedom in Christ underneath the the rule or the, the thumb of the Roman government so so we know this can be our reality, but we don't we don't want a false personal freedom. We we want real freedom. We we don't want to be stained by sin. We we don't we don't want to be we don't want to continue to be in bondage to sin or to bitterness or pride or fear or what, whatever those things that that sort of draw us back into into this place of sitting at the enemy's table. We don't we don't belong there. That's not who we are. That's not what we're about. Instead, like what you said in Ephesians, there you you've set a table for us. We got we got a place in the, in the heavenly realms. Um that, that that you 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 have our name at at your table and that's where we want to be. That's where I want to be. I want that to be my norm. So I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you will just move across this church family, even those that, that aren't in earshot right now, that you will continue to draw us and woo us into the, into the center of your good and pleasing and perfect will. where when in, in a place of real surrender to you, we find real freedom. What a beautiful irony that is. We love you, and we live
1: for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Hallelujah.
4: Well, brother John, you're here. How about we take the opportunity and retrieve the colors? Yes, can we do that now? We can do that. Now. Let's stand. It's May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you. Be gracious to you. May He bring his countenance upon you. May He fill you with His peace and His power and His freedom in your life. Have an amazing one. We'll see you next Sunday.
2: See.